Hello listeners and welcome to a new episode of the Denalysis Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Dan and as always I'm joined by Natalie. Say hi to the millions of fans, Natalie. Hello millions of fans. Cool, thank you, thank you for that. Uh, get... That's what you asked me to do, I just did what you asked me to do. I was just trying to, to work do. out if you were meant to say the Natalie bit at the end as well. I was going to do it and then I thought, no, you'll be annoyed if I do. <laughs> but you did You did half of it anyway, so you may as well have just gone, you know, all right. break, break all the rules. Uh, so game week seven is almost over, but not quite. Uh, I think where we are at as, as FPL managers right now is we're desperately hoping that Juan Bissaka can somehow pull us over the average score for the week because it's not gone well. Um, but you know what? If you're in the same boat as us, or even if you're not and you just want to brag about how well you've done this week, you can find us on Twitter, at The Denalysis, and uh, we can have a little chat. We can we can give you advice, like don't get in Harry Kane, even though he's just scored two goals. And I... Like, the thing is, I'm annoyed because I don't know this man's name and I couldn't find it. But you know who you are more than just a tenor. But I'm really proud that you were able to make your own decisions because that's what this game is about. Absolutely. Uh, that's that's kind of the thing, right? Like, I, I saw somewhere on Twitter today, I saw someone kind of thanking another person, being like, you got me 10 extra points this week. And I was like, I find that weird that people, like, attribute their their success in, in a game of FPL to, like, other people or their failure to other people because it all comes down to you at the end. you got to make that decision. Uh, but I think Kane is naturally a, a good starting point, right? He's obviously the, the name on everyone's lips right now. Uh, still at 12.4 as it stands. Probably will be 12.5 by the time this podcast actually goes out. Yeah, what are your thoughts on Harry Kane and why do you feel the way you do? So, um, you know how I think that offside is stupid and offside shouldn't be a rule in football? I didn't actually know that you were that strongly against okay, it, that you, quite, you wanted to out <laughs> I'm quite strongly against it. Um, I also am quite against penalties counting as goals. I don't think it's fair. Okay. Like, <laughs> not just for FPL, but just generally, right? So Harry Kane has scored however many goals it is now for Spurs, and it's taken him above Jermaine Defoe. Hmm. And I'm like, well, this is all well and good. But how many of these have been penalties, and should they really count? Because, like, is that really... Um, a true a, goal a, yeah and is that really like a, a showing a, a display of your skill and I'm saying no yes it's one of these weird quirks of football isn't it like I think maybe even like penalties should cost less points you get half I mean, a goal yeah like maybe only three points oh right for a, for a penalty I, I thought you meant I thought you were saying the team should get fewer points <laughs> Like, they win the game, but because it was a penalty, they only get 1.5 points. No, 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 no. I mean, in FPL, I think for a penalty, it should be less yeah, points. Yeah, I, I can kind of see where you're getting at. Sort of like in the World Cup game, how they had... I think it was like a slight... You got two points if you won a penalty. You got three points for an actual assist. I thought that was kind of cool. Right, um, yeah. I, I, personally, I, I don't really have a, a problem with it. Because I think it's just one of those things that, that factors into your decision-making... And one of the tweets I put out yesterday was that Kane is essentially becoming the 12.4 Milivojevic because he yeah. just keeps getting penalties. He's had three penalties in his last... Is it three? Sorry, Spurs have had three penalties in their last three games. So was it three? It might even be four, actually, because I think they had two in the Carabao Cup. It's kind of 
becoming that thing where Spurs are just on a, a little penalty streak and having someone like Kane for a team that gets a lot of penalties is understandably quite a good good thing to do because he is actually really, really good at penalties. I mean, there are some players you just look at and you think, oh God, they're not going to score this. They're going to screw it up. They don't look confident or they're just, they can't kick a ball properly. Har- like Zaza. Yeah, precisely. Whereas Harry Kane, he, we saw it in the World Cup. We've seen it, you know, countless times in, in the Premier League. He's just got really, really good technique. He clearly practices them. And he's the one player I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be worried about him taking a penalty. I'd know it's probably going to go in the net. Um, personally, like, I, I watched the highlights last night. I didn't see the full game for this because I was watching the Arsenal one. But I didn't feel like he played amazingly well. I thought he was still kind of looking okay. This is it. I don't think someone who hasn't played well in the game deserves to get points <laughs> yeah. when they score a penalty. Yeah. It's not right. Yeah, I think it just depends what you're doing with the rest of your team. I don't think, obviously, having Kane isn't a bad option. But, so, for example, if you had Sterling in midfield, mm-hmm. then obviously get Kane up front. But if you don't have any City midfielders, then you're going to need Aguero. Right, I see where you get. Thus, you can't have Kane as well. Well, you can, but you have to go without Salah. So it's like a premium player... Puzzle. Yeah. Well, Premium exactly. player puzzle. That's what this is. That's what FPL is this year, and I don't like it. It really is. Because there are so many... Um, we had a lot of low-priced, high-scorers last year. Sterling being one of them. Yes. And Salah also starting the season at, what was it, 9.0. So I think Sterling started even cheaper than that. He was like 8 or something. Yeah. And he went up loads as the season wore on. But we do have an issue in that... You can only really, if you want quite a balanced team, you can only really have two to three of them. And this is it. You can't have everyone yeah. also. Yeah. So I think if one of these players does do really well one week, there's kind of nothing you can do about it. Absolutely. Well, unless you want to get rid of them, get rid of someone you have for someone else. But like, it's just going to be the way. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember like last season, I think I got Kane as soon as September was over which was, sorry, as soon as August was over. Yeah. So I got him for the first game in September and captained him, and it was great. But, like, after that, I kept captaining him, and he was playing really well, but he wasn't really scoring, but his, his stats were really good. And then mm. I remember every time... <laughs> and that's what matters. Well, exactly. But then every time I didn't captain him, it seemed like he'd score, like, two or three goals. And I remember, like, losing my mind over that stuff. But actually, I'm looking at it with a, a more sort of long-term view this season... And I know that Kane has just scored two goals and got the three bonus points, so he finished on 13. Uh, I think the, the high, that makes him the highest scoring striker of the week. But I'm actually not too worried, because if you look at what they've got coming up next, they've got Cardiff. Okay, a great game to own Harry Kane for, especially if you want a captain. Uh, but they, they face Cardiff next at home. Okay, obviously a great fixture. But then after that, they have West Ham away, who've just beaten Man United and are looking a much, much better team. And then after that, they face... City at home. City at home. And then Wolves, and then Palace, and then Chelsea, and then Arsenal. So it's kind of a mixed bag for them, really. And the reason that I'm not willing to go for Kane, even though I could do it this week, but it doesn't seem like a good use of my budget or the minus four if it's a one-week transfer. Because you can kind of look at it... If you look at... I'm bringing in in a player who I think is on really good form and is going to do well for the next four to five weeks or maybe even longer 
then I can mm. sort of justify a minus four for that. But for Kane, I'm not really convinced by his performances. And Kane is always going to score, or most times he's going to score against the likes of Huddersfield and Cardiff because they are probably the two worst teams in the league at the moment. But I would worry about the game against West Ham, who are looking much more solid defensively, especially away from home. And City, I think City is just better. So that's kind of where I stand on the whole Harry Kane thing. I do think Trippier, on the other hand, is a decent shout at his price. But again, it's that same thing. Like, it's the the fixtures ahead. So I kept Mendy. Hmm. Me too. I've got some issues with rotation. Like, basically, I just want to play everyone. Yeah. Um, and that's why I didn't get rid of Mendy this week. But I'm interested in Trippier. My only advice to anyone would be to wait and see who plays in the Champions League fixtures yeah. this week, both with Man City and with Spurs, or with anyone, really, yeah. I guess. Yeah, that's where my David Silva worry lies, because mm. he obviously played this week and played quite, quite well. Uh, didn't get any, any returns other than the clean sheet point, but... I'm quite worried that he's now going to miss next weekend, although they are playing Liverpool. And I'm thinking, are you realistically going to leave one of your best players out of the game against Liverpool? I don't think so. I don't think Gundogan, Gundogan to me, who rose this week and then didn't play a minute, um, which is fantastic. He, to me, seems like the kind of player that he's going to play against the, the teams like Cardiff, the teams who are lower down the table and don't represent such a threat. I'd find yeah. it I'd find it very interesting if Pep left Silver out. Um uh, but yeah, that I think overall our overriding feelings on Kane are probably only do it if you want to keep him for a sort of medium to longer term. So let's move on to West Ham who <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a resurgent week for them, of course, with Arnautovic coming back in. Basically hasn't trained and yeah. has been really, really good. He he looks really um really promising and has dropped to 6.9 now so i am thinking about getting arnautovic in how so i'll need a minus four again right, I, right. I said i'm quite reluctant to take them but so we spoke last week and i said that knockout was going to be my transfer like i already plan i already planned for that uh brighton won both fixtures against west ham last season oh really yeah interesting i didn't know that so my, my take on this is is kind of I wanted Arnautovic back at some point anyway, and I think mm. we spoke either last week or the week before on the podcast about round about game week 10, West Ham's fixtures start to look really good. Um, and that to me is quite encouraging because I'm liking what I see with West Ham. And if you compare, uh, so Arnautovic at 6.9, obviously the worry was how long is his injury going to be? That's kind of a brilliant price to be able to get him at because he's only going to go up from here. And he's, I think going into the weekend, he was involved in 80% of West Ham's goals. Probably slightly less now because they scored three goals and he was only involved in one of them. But he is clearly key to that team. He's going to start every game when he's fit. And I think they're looking like a much more threatening team in attack now. And he's obviously been, you know, going from strength to strength since since Moyes converted him to a striker last season. If West Ham are going to play attacking football and they keep playing like they are, I think he's just a an outstanding option. I think the other guy in that price point that most people have probably got at the moment or are thinking about getting is Mitrovic. And for me, I think West Ham's established 
sort of uh, status as a Premier League team and the fact they've got uh, an established sort of attacking manager just makes me slightly more keen for them, uh, coupled with their good fixtures, than Fulham because I'm still not sure about about Fulham yet. And I feel like I've I've already missed out on enough of Mitrovic to not be like absolutely devastated if I miss out on a few more. Another player I noticed is Issa Diop. He's dropped to 4.3. Is he starting now? Yeah, yeah. He started every game since, I think, game week two or game week three. Um, okay. And he's played the 90 minutes. And I know that, that last year for, um, I think it was Toulouse, um, he, he got something like six goals. So I am starting to think that he may, may be a threat from set pieces and could be an interesting one just... When you're looking for players at, at such a low price, 4.3 for a starting defender is pretty good. And West Ham do seem to have really sharpened up their, their defence uh, just by making that move in midfield. And Fabianski is obviously the other guy to shout out here. He continues to play well and, to be honest, was really, really unlucky to concede a goal in this. It was just a really, really smart finish from Rashford. I, I would say about Felipe Anderson and Yarmolenko... At 6.8, they do become, especially if you don't have Madison right now, they do become a differential. Mm. So it could, if you if you fancy if you fancy West Ham, but you can't fit Arnautovic in your team because, say, you have Mitrovic and you want to keep him, then maybe you could look at Felipe Anderson as an alternative. Uh, all right, let's talk about the the Salah narrative that just won't go away. The uh, I actually heard the commentator during the game against Chelsea. He said something along the lines of, "Oh, it's just it's just not the Salah from last season, is it?" And then on match of the day, they compared his stats, and he's one goal behind where he was last season. Really? Yeah. At this time, people are remembering last season and looking at the total amount of goals, but they're forgetting that there were games he didn't score in. And there were games when he missed big chances and he missed something like 30 big chances over the course of the season. His stats that he's putting up right now essentially point to the idea that he's he's going to score around the same total of goals. And I thought his performance in this game, obviously I had him captained and it didn't go quite so well when he was taken off in the, I think, 63rd minute. But it was one of those things where he, he had so many opportunities he just doesn't seem to be finishing very clinically at the moment. And I kind of feel like you could say similar things about Kane, but Kane's numbers aren't quite as good in terms of the number of, of chances he's getting. The difference, obviously, being he is on penalties, which is very, very useful. Um, so overall, I'm not really worried about Salah at all. And I know they play City next, but after that, their fixtures get so good. If you've kept him this long... Unless you want to do like a one-week pump for Kane and then switch back, or there's there's a fixture in game week eight that you're really, really liking, I kind of don't see why you would do it. I'd be tempted now. Like, not right... Like, I'm not going to do it because I don't have the guts to do it. <laughs> um, but I really want Sterling. Yeah. No, he, he looks excellent, and he's nailed on again. He's, that, he's the best option in City midfield. And better than Aguero, I think. What I'm really waiting for is now for Hazard to get some kind of injury. injury yeah, so you could do the straight swap. But it's not life-threatening in any way, but we'll have him out for a couple of months. 
get Sterling in, be done with uh, This it. is the thing I hate about fantasy football. You do get to a point where you start wishing injuries on people just so it makes your decision-making better. Yeah. Um, or, or makes it easier, rather. And I have definitely felt that way <laughs> for a little while now. I've been thinking, can't someone good just get injured? And I guess we've had that with Mendy, but we still don't have any definitive information. So I kind of agree with you there. And maybe we'll do a, a little bit more on Sterling shortly. For me... I'm looking at the fixtures after the City game and they've got Huddersfield and Cardiff back to back. And I, I can't I can't take Salah out for what for one week and a minus four in a game where he I, realistically I think I could see him scoring against Man City. I think he scored in, in both no, he scored in one of the games last year. I do fancy him for that game, especially being at home. And one of the things that that they pointed out on match of the day was that Salah hasn't actually scored away from home yet this season. All of his goals have been home. So I wonder if there's something to that, maybe. Um, and also, you wanted to mention Mane, who hasn't scored in three game weeks. Is he worth sticking with? What do you think? I don't know. No, I'm definitely not. I'd obviously get Sterling. Yeah. Well, um, obviously, finances permitting. Yeah. I'd make it work. Like, I'd literally force it through. Yeah. yeah, I think people sort of overrated Mane in the first few weeks because he was doing insane numbers in terms of goal scoring. But he's... If you just watch a Liverpool game, like, he does get chances, but everything goes through Salah and Firmino. So if you want if you want a Liverpool attacker, for me, it just has to be one of those two. And Firmino being 9.4 at the moment is actually one that I, I wanted to shout out because if you look at, again, look at those fixtures, Huddersfield, Cardiff, back-to-back, then Arsenal, then Fulham, Watford, Everton, Burnley, Bournemouth. Like, those are all teams they should be beating. And I think that's a really good run to have a 9.4 Firmino on. You've got to hope that he, he does start every game because obviously Sturridge came off the bench and scored. And... Is Sturridge actually the best attacking option in the Liverpool team? <laughs> no, no, no. I can answer Are you that sure? unequivocally no. Are you sure? The thing is, he may get some starts because I think with the Champions League and with the fixture congestion coming up in the next few months, Klopp may have to rotate. Personally, I, I think the most rotation that's going to happen is maybe one of those players misses out one game and then they're back in the team. But they may even come off the bench, so... I'm kind of not even factoring that into my thinking because it's such such speculative, uh, such speculative thinking that it's kind of not worth delving into. I don't know if I need any more on Sterling. Well, I just kind of wanted to to briefly touch on. I'm seriously considering doing it at some point and downgrading my 11 million or now 10.8 Aubameyang and having like three sort of mid price strikers. I like it. To, to have Sterling. I mean, we did suggest this the other week yeah. when we said, yeah. oh, about how you got Salah and Hazard in. Yeah. Was to downgrade your expensive striker to Lacazette or to Firmino. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know if you even need to do that. Like, if you had a front three of, like, Arnautovic, Zaha and, like, Mitrovic. Yeah. That'd do me fine. Yeah. It kind of makes sense. The only thing is I don't really want to drop Aubameyang yet because... Arsenal still have good fixtures and I think I'm most likely to do Aubameyang to Firmino after the City game. That's kind of the the thing I'm looking at just because I think Liverpool are probably looking better overall and there's going to come a time for Firmino to really start bringing in the points. Uh, But yeah, Sterling looks amazing. I think he's a great shout. 
Uh, Brighton, what do we feel about these boys? Hype, let's get ready to rumble. Against City, everyone was like, oh, City, they're going to go crazy against Brighton. And I was like, you just wait, everybody. <laughs> you just wait until Hewton lays down the law. Mm-hmm. So City had 28 shots. Only eight of them were on target. And obviously they only got two goals. Yeah. So if that isn't good defending, I don't know what is. Well, actually, they were great, weren't they? Like, um, they did exactly what we kind of thought they would do. Because uh, we talked about this on the, the preview, how... Aguero is obviously a standout pick, but Brighton are also quite good and quite good at defending and keeping the score low. So although we thought they were gonna uh, City were gonna win, probably, I think I said probably one one nil. They ended up getting the second, but it was still a, a, a decent result overall considering the difference in, in quality and finances. I thought Aguero's goal was amazing and Sterling's assist for it. So so good. Aguero was just about to come off as well. That was the interesting thing. And I think this is what's making him a worry, probably, uh, if, mm. you, if you own him, that he keeps getting taken off around 60 minutes. I'm not concerned about it because he's good mm-hmm. and because Champions League and because somewhere I saw that someone had said that his ankle was still niggling from last weekend. And so Pep didn't want to give him the 90, which I think is absolutely fine. Uh, But back to Brighton, they... Please. So West Ham, Newcastle and Wolves in the next three. And this is part of the reason I am a little bit worried or or I'm sort of second guessing my original plan to bring Knockart in. Not because I don't rate Brighton, but I think two of the teams that they're playing in the next three are on really good form, being West Ham and and Wolves. I think Brighton are on good form as well, but their fixtures haven't been kind enough to show us. Absolutely. They've they've faced Spurs and City back to back, and to be fair against Spurs, they could have come out with a result. So it is a little bit harsh to to say that they're underperforming. Uh Uh-huh. But I'm just a little bit worried in the... I feel like West Ham, again, it's my bias is always more towards the teams who play more attacking football. Right. And I think it's quite rare that you see Brighton play a really proactive sort of front foot sort of game. They will press and they will try to win the ball. But against West Ham, I suspect that it's got to be West Ham with a lot more of the ball, probably creating the more chances. And I worry that Knockout, even though I think he's an amazing option at 5.5, I feel like... Arnautovic is just that little bit that little bit better. Wolves is the one in game week 10 that is the other home game I'm a little bit iffy about because I think, yeah, Wolves look really, really good and even playing poorly against Southampton, they came away with a 2-0 win. Uh, Newcastle away from home, that one looks decent in game week 9. Game week 11 onwards, I really like the look of their fixtures. Everton and Cardiff both away from home then Leicester at home, then Huddersfield away from home. The only problem there is, of course, their away form. But that said, I just think they're they're a good team and they're gonna they've got to dispel those myths of of last year where they just couldn't get results away from home. I think there's only so long that that can go on with the team. I mean, Burnley had the same thing two seasons yeah, ago, right? Absolutely. And then last year went and did really well away from home. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I think their form actually ended up being as good, if not better, away from home. 
So it's yeah. one of those things that I think sometimes when you're new to the Premier League, it's quite hard as well. You try to make your, your home ground a fortress. I think knockout is the one. If anyone's looking at anyone, it should be knockout. I am not... In these next three, this West Ham at home, Newcastle away and Wolves at home, I'm not expecting Brian to keep clean sheets in them. Yeah. But I do think they are all winnable for Brian. Yeah. I do think they can win. Also, a note that Murray didn't play this weekend. He was just on the bench for Lacardia. Yeah. And I assume that was just an entirely tactical thing because Chris knew that they weren't going to be trying to do loads of goals. Yeah. And thus there was no need for Murray to be in. Also, I'd like to think it was a bit of a punishment for Murray in that handball in the Spurs game. Oh, that was ridiculous, wasn't it? Yeah. I I think it's probably a bit of both, like you say. And the fact that they were playing a team that are going to have a lot of the ball. Um, On to Wolves, who... Oh, they're just great, aren't they? They keep, keep yeah, winning. I don't have any Wolves players, and I've been ignoring everything. Hmm. And now I think I need... I don't know when or where I'm going to put them. <laughs> well, the good news is they're really cheap. Yeah, so this is the thing. So I might take Ings out and put Jimenez there. Yeah. That seems sensible. Yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely make that move, yeah. I was going to do... McCarthy to Hart, and then me to a Wolves defender. I, I assume Doherty is the one that you'd want to go for. Okay, tell me about Doherty. So Doherty, he's at 4.5 now. He got an assist, and he got the three bonus points. He is basically just a massive, massive threat, a massive assist threat. But he does kind of a similar job to what Andy Robertson does for Liverpool. Uh, in that he just has loads of energy, he's constantly bombing down the right wing, and he has he has quite good delivery and he's quite a good decision maker. His link up with Jimenez, I think, is really impressive. Like um, Jimenez, we talked a bit about last week, and I think the mm-hmm. thing that's interesting about him is he kind of reminds me of like a a bit of a budget Olivier Giroud, in that he links up quite well in the build up. And he doesn't really... He's not the player that you give the ball to and expect him to go run and take people on. But what he does do is he's really good at seeing the right pass and getting little flicks and little uh, little intelligent passes in the build-up that that basically frees the fullback. And, uh, yeah, I think those two link up really well. I think that Doherty, his delivery is really good. He probably slightly edges Johnny because he just gets forward way more. But Johnny also, I think, is at 4.4, so 0.1 cheaper at the moment. And he scored the goal. So right. it, it's almost... I feel like it'd almost be a good shout to consider having both of them, but I know you don't like double-ups. God, no. Any love for Rui Patricio? Yeah. He's also 4.5. Yeah, I might do that, like, McCarthy for him. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's a good option. Yeah. So he got 10 points this week, which was pretty impressive considering he's kind of one of those goalkeepers who every time he keeps a clean sheet, he seems to have a bunch of saves and and bonus points. I miss Nick Pope so much. Uh, So do I. But I don't like the double up with Wolves because I think their fixtures do get a little bit hit or miss. Uh, It's just... The next three are Palace away, Watford at home and Brighton away. Yeah. But then after that, there's two or three... Spurs and Arsenal back-to-back. Yeah, those. So I think if you're going to make a move on a Wolves player, you need to do it now. Yeah. I'd I'd consider the double-up, actually, but I'd only do it if you have other players that can cover for the games you don't want to play them in. Mm -hmm. That's kind of... Whenever I look at a double-up, it's always... 
you always want to make sure you don't paint yourself into a corner with it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, lo- last shout out just for Jimenez. He's had returns in his last three games. And he also had a header saved off the line by McCarthy in this game. So. Oh yeah, I saw that. It's like the only good thing McCarthy did. Yeah. So yeah. shout out to you, Alex. Absolutely. So he looks really strong. And yeah, at five point, I think he's 5.6 now, but he's probably one of the best options you can get in that cheap range because of how much Wolves like to attack. Mm. All right, template teams. What's going on with these? You say it's causing chaos. It is causing me chaos. This is my one big problem, apart from all of the other problems I have. The one big one is the fact that my midfield is the same as every other team's midfield. And it wasn't originally, but everyone's jumped on Madison. I panic bought Fraser and this is where we've ended up. (laughs) This is how the templates form because everyone panic buys everyone. Oh, it's so annoying. And I just think no one's going to get anywhere with everyone's team looking the same. Yeah. So I'd like to highlight at this point, game week seven, that differentials are now important. The end. (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean, this is probably the one place I'd fall down in in fantasy uh, football in that I really don't have any interest in delving into the mathematics and the the complex sort of like statistical analysis. Like, I enjoy stats. I think they're fun. But we're at a point where it does feel like everyone has the same teams and it's it's being vindicated so far. Uh, James Madison, like you mentioned, he's a player who's had returns almost every game week. I think it's only been two game weeks he's missed out on. And I was so pissed off when he got his assist this week because it was from a corner. I was like, for God's sake, can't you just... A a player that I was like really hyping at the start of the season got rid of on my wild card because I had to. And now I'm freaking wanting him back, but also not because... Drop Salah and get Madison in. Right, okay, that's what i got to do, yeah? <laughs> that's my advice for the this week. The annoying thing is, if I'd done that this week and captained him, he would have returned me more points, so uh, that's, that's so irritating. I just think now what I'm going to try and do is just have a few differentials. So, yeah, I'm having knockout, which mm-hmm. is fine because I haven't been playing billing, so it makes absolutely no difference to my life. Quick fact on Knockart, he's on yes. 0.1% ownership at the moment, I think. He's gone up to 1%, sorry, so it must have been 0.9 before. Still, an excellent, excellent choice. Um, Goodmanson as well, I have a note on Goodmanson. Yeah. Um, a really good option if you, instead of Fraser, we talked about this last week. Yeah, we but, did. And he um, just scored. He just scored and got an assist. Oh, um, did he? Yeah, for the Vokes goal. Even I knew that and I turned the stream off. So unless you have nothing else on, I would advise waiting to get Goodmanson until after Burnley play City and Chelsea. Yeah. Because I can't remember who they play next. They play someone next. Huddersfield? Where everyone has got Fraser. All the casuals, where they've got (laughs) got Fraser. They're not going to clock that Goodmanson is a great alternative. I think my point generally is just be aware about the teams around you. Yeah. in your mini league and if you do have the exact same team as everyone else hmm. consider switching out a player who you've had returns from who maybe it's so like Mane for example yeah 
be be bold if, with it. Don't yeah, exactly. don't sit on him because oh he got me loads of points at the start. Yeah. Like use your your intuition to try and find the right moves. Exactly. I I do agree with that. I I think the the important thing to always think of is don't just go for differentials for the sake of it, but mm. be smart about it. So Mane is a great example of one where yeah, you can totally get rid of him because he's not performing. I don't think he's the best Liverpool option and he's eating up a lot of funds. Whereas someone like Fraser, I think it makes sense if you have him to maybe keep him a little bit longer. But if you don't have him and you're looking to get him in, maybe you go for somewhere else. Maybe watch the game tomorrow, see what happens and and try and and figure out if he's really worth it. Because if you look at his returns, he was returning lots of goals from very few shots. And that's always a warning sign. Although Bournemouth do play attacking football, you've got to worry that at some point that just might stop. And uh, especially if they go through a really bad patch of form like they tend to. So I do think it's a, an interesting time to try and look at those guys who, you know, we've, we've seen enough games now to be able to pick out the guys that are on the rise. And I think Knockart is a great example of one of those guys who has been performing consistently well in, in every game. And even though he hasn't had amazing returns, he's maybe maybe played a little bit better than the likes of Madison, who's been getting consistent returns. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the kind of thing to look at at, at this time. Um, okay, any other things to chat about from this week? Yeah, Fulham. I think Sessegnon was really unfortunate oh, in God, this that game. That was so close, wasn't it? His crossbar shot. I was really sad for him. And it... <sighs> There's a chance for his first goal. He he seemed to play really well. He set up Scherler for a really good chance as well. Yeah, that one also. And, sh- like, we know that last time Scherler scored, it took him literally 15 times yeah. <laughs> before he got it in the goal. So I felt Sessegnon was a little hard done by here. Yeah, he was unlucky. Um, I assume you didn't see the full match. No. God, I was no. just wondering on, on Mitrovic, because I didn't see him involved yeah. in the highlights at all. No, me neither. Um, don't know. I'm not concerned regardless yeah. i mean it's uh, the price you're paying you don't really mind one oh, black no. do you not at all not at all that's that's kind of the vibe with him so yeah maybe you wouldn't worry too much uh the only thing i again it's the only thing i'm still worried about with fulham is i still don't know how good they are uh but they do face cardiff and huddersfield in their next four so Way. so does everyone <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's, it's ridiculous isn't it so many uh teams seem to be facing those guys uh, I did want to bring up Richarlison also from that game. He had no returns. I didn't really see much of him in here. Uh, did you have anything to add? I, no. He was the most I'm, transferred uh, in. Really? Well, yeah. that's it. That's why he didn't score then, because he was most transferred in. I, I do want to say a uh, fun stat. Mm-hmm. Um, Everton at home against yeah. Fulham. They've yeah. won every game they've ever played against Fulham at home. Really? Yeah. I wish someone had told me that before it's a, um, the game. <laughs> yeah, it's a remarkable statistic. And it's one I didn't even consider. Like, I heard it on a few podcasts and I was just like, nah, Everton is still sh- still shit, though. So, <laughs> so they've got to lose. But yeah, uh, Walcott actually looked quite decent in this game. Tosin got a goal. Tosin got a goal from the bench as well. I don't know who he thinks he is. It was, it was quite amazing, wasn't it? Bernard got an assist. Who the hell is... Bernard. Bernard's like one of those players who, if you played like FIFA or Football Manager for the last right. ten years, you'd know that he was like one of the guys with loads of potential. 
He's just not really <laughs> ever reached that potential. But he's just a kind of small, like, tricky winger sort of player. And Literally never heard of him. Uh, yeah, I think he came from, from Shakhtar uh, in Ukraine. What, just now? Yeah, yeah, they signed him this summer. Oh, okay. Cool. But uh, apparently he's Bernard. quite good. Uh, we'll, we'll see how he does. Heard a commentator calling him Bernard. And I was just like, <laughs> are, you, are you serious? You're getting paid to commentate on this and you're calling him Bernard. Jesus I've Christ. heard worse. Oh, yeah. I, in fact, I wrote this on my notes and almost forgot. Danny Murphy yesterday called Kovacic. Yeah. And I actually had to write down Kovacic so that I could remember what his actual name was. He called him Kovicevic. Right. And I was like, what the hell? What's he <laughs> How called? How have you done this? Kovacic. Kovacic. Kov- or it, like, Kovicevic. I don't really know who he is or where he's come from, this man. Every time he's on the pitch, I'm like, mm, who? When? Why? Well, actually, yeah, that... He was he was really um, really instrumental in Chelsea's goal against Liverpool, which I thought was a freaking fantastic goal. It felt like it's worth worth touching on this just because this was a really entertaining game, particularly if you're if you're a big football fan. Uh, it's it was uh, really tightly contested, and the goal that Chelsea scored. I mean, I, I was quite quite hard on Chelsea, thinking that they were going to get absolutely hammered in this game. They ended up defending really well. And the goal, uh, I think Trent Alexander-Arnold got kind of drawn to Hazard. He just did a little cheeky flick. And between him, Kovacic and uh, Jorginho, they just opened up the space and, and put Hazard in behind. And I thought it kind of showed exactly what Sari is trying to do. It was that, that perfect sort of microcosm of this is how Chelsea play now. And yeah, I was really, really impressed with how they performed in the game and that they, they got that moment against what is a really solid Liverpool defence overall. Um, and it was a really, really intelligent pass and well-executed pass from Kovacic to put Hazard through. Um, I did kind of skip over this, but Newcastle-Leicester, I felt this was the most, particularly from the highlights, seemed like one of the most boring games of the season so far. Nothing really happened in it. I mean, Vardy got a penalty from a, a stupid handball. But I felt it was a disappointing from Newcastle, but also Leicester. I didn't really see them create any chances besides the two set pieces. They don't need to create real chances when set pieces exist. Yeah. And I, you have Vardy doing penalties and Madison doing every free kick and corner available. Yeah, we did mention this last week, how he's kind of almost the perfect FPL option because he's cheap and he takes all of the set pieces. So even if he plays like crap, you know that he's still got a chance to to get a set piece assist. I think I'm just going to start captaining it every week because... um, Because he returns every week. Yeah, it saves the headache, doesn't it? Yeah, no, you're probably right. I'm Uh, always right. Well, yeah, always, precisely. Mm. Anything else on Cardiff Burnley? I mean, I I mentioned earlier that Cardiff played really well and probably should have got something out of this. Josh Murphy! Oh, yeah, your main man. Oh, I'm so happy for him. Actually, yeah, he is worth shouting out because... Because he's really good. I told you this already. Yeah, he is. Not you. I told everybody. (laughs) He was really direct. And I think if you look at the way that, that Cardiff play, they don't really have any style. So it's got to be good to have a player on who could just take a bunch of people on, score a goal... Just, just through that own sort of intuition. Yeah. And I think he's really staked a claim for his place in the first team now. 
And I think mm. he should continue to start. And I wouldn't recommend getting anyone from Cardiff still because I still think they're terrible. But he is at least someone who might give him a chance in games where they don't have much of the ball. If he can drop to, like, closer to 4.5... Yeah. I think he's worth having just to sit on your bench even. What is he at right now? 4.9 maybe, 4.8, I'm right. not sure. Well, to be fair, I think he's a better option than Danny Ward. <laughs> who he, he was benched this week. Yeah. I, I, he's one of those, kind of like when N'Golo Kante was mentioned as a a potential must-have being so cheap and having this Sorry. new attacking role. But if anyone actually got Danny Ward in because I said <laughs> that he was playing out of position as a striker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wanted to touch on Arsenal quickly as well. I felt... Oh, I did as well. Sorry. Please continue. I felt that Iwobi is strongly, strongly pushing for a place in the first team. Ramsey had yet another terrible performance. Uh, speaking of which, follow us on Twitter if you want to get involved in the anti-Ramsey propaganda. Um, yeah, Awebi came on. I didn't actually realise he got the assist for the, the own goal. Yeah. Um, so that, that makes my point even clearer. Uh, yeah, he came on and he just gave us so much more drive in midfield. Like he was picking up the ball. He was running with it. Uh, I went to the Carabao Cup game on Wednesday and he was brilliant in that game as well. Looked very energetic. He looks like he's found a new lease of life under under Unai Emery. So if he can get in the starting lineup ahead of Aaron Ramsey, that will put Meza Ozil back in his favoured position and also give us a player who can pick up the ball and run with it and, and give us a little bit more um, sort of impetus in the game, just trying to get forward more, trying to force the issue. So I think at 5.5, he could end up becoming a really good option if he gets that starting role. It seems that he's ahead of Mkhitaryan even at this point. And also it makes Ozil a better option because he plays in his favoured position. So mm. uh, also amazing that we got a clean sheet in this because Watford should have scored. Is it because Leno? Um, Leno did make some good saves, actually. And he's 4.8, so I still wouldn't recommend it. I still think no, Arsenal look shaky, I... but... I would never have an Arsenal defender because I just don't think it's worth the hassle. Yeah. But, but the... Leno looks safe. I thought in pre-season he looked safe. Yeah. I think he's maybe a little bit iffy on sort of crosses. And the Premier League's a lot more physical than most other leagues. So when the ball's in the air, I think it's quite dangerous for a goalkeeper if they're not confident. Okay. But he had a good game. He made some key saves. And... Watford, I think I've been continually disappointed by since they beat Spurs because I think against Fulham they should have won but they failed to capitalise on their chances. Against Arsenal they also ca- uh, failed to capitalise but I still think they're playing quite well and I still think they they could offer some threat in the games coming forwards. The only thing I'd worry about is their defence. Uh, Holobas created quite a lot of chances from set pieces. Mm-hmm. His delivery was excellent but the problem with Holobas is you're kind of getting him for those attacking for returns. For the assists, yeah. And if they continue to miss chances, then you have a problem there. But no, yeah. I, I think Watford, you know, they'll be fine. They'll probably be pushing that sort of higher mid-table uh, area. Uh, but Arsenal continue to get results. And I've been really impressed by... It's one of the things that we've often been criticised for, not being able to, to get results when we're playing poorly. And we've won five Premier League games in a row and we face Fulham next, which 
to all intents and purposes, should be another win because it's a team who are probably as bad at defending as we are. Yeah, but I can't wait for Mitrovic to do loads of goals. Like, I'm yeah. very nervous that I might need to bench Mitrovic. I don't want to in the don't, slightest. Don't. He's, he's exactly the kind of player that would give Arsenal defence trouble because he's very yeah. physical. Mm. And I'm actually surprised that Deeney didn't give us more to worry about considering his, his yeah. style of play. A shout out to Ned. Um, Ned from work actually told me that he did listen to a few episodes, which is really oh, nice. Really? So oh, really? Ned. Ned. I don't think you're still on because you came over to ask me about whether you can use your chips more than once in a season. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, okay. Cheers, mate. But um, oh. he he was at the game yesterday and he just did an Instagram post. It was just like, what a lovely day for a Deeney brace. Oh. And I thought that was really good. Yep. No brace for you, sir. No. Oh. All right, let's move on. Yes. So we've got a little league recap. I think we're... Analysis Domestic. If you're not in it, join it. There's a code in the description of this very podcast. Absolutely. Okay, so we're not at the end of the game week, so it's all a bit of a mess. But uh, David Kelleher currently has 81 points and still has King to play. I don't know who he gets in if King doesn't play. I didn't look, nor Mm. did I care. But it looks like this lad's going to have... The, the top scoring situation of the analysis domestic this week. Interestingly, there is a man who was only one point behind him. I'm going to tell you what his name was right now. Rolf Holmberg, only one point behind. He was on his wild card. Both teams don't have Salah. Oh. And oh, that's what it. I can tell you I about mean, those two. It makes sense in this week, doesn't it? Because Salah did nothing, so... Well, yeah, I mean, but they both still have a couple of players who did blank. Yeah. But I just thought that was interesting to note. Yeah, cool. So well done Congrats to you. you guys. To be fair, if King goes on a mad one, then Rolf might not even be worth shouting out. Oh my god. Little Mix have just announced a new single five minutes ago. That's some targeted advertising right there. Little Mix fans, everybody stand up. Everybody should be a Little Mix fan. I think what's going to make a difference to me is making sure I make the best decisions I can. Um, <coughs> what? <laughs> like I just gotta do the best I can well exactly it is true though isn't it like so many people get so <laughs> I guess. caught up in the idea of I need to get this player before he rises but yeah. it ends up getting you players like Walcott and it uh, you get rid of Wal- <laughs> you get rid of Walcott and then he scores more than Richarlison this week and yeah. that stuff happens so frequently like you have to look at look at this stuff stuff objectively and just kind of take emotion out of it and be like okay I'm gonna make what I think is the best decision based on the things I'm getting from the games. Um, okay, so what do we talk about next? Are we doing a preview? Yeah. Is that where we're at? Yeah. Cool, man. Um, Brighton West Ham, Friday night kickoff. Issa Diop and Arnautovic in. Let's go, baby. Yeah, knockout versus Arnautovic. It's going to be no, wild. Be good. If, you get, if you get knockout this... Are you getting him this I'm week? De- yeah, I'm definitely doing... Like, that's this the transfer awesome. that I'm doing. You're getting knockout. I'm getting Diop and Arnautovic and have Fabianski in goal. It's got to be, like, a mighty face-off. I'm benching Dunk for to put knockout in, though. Yeah, that is definitely the right call. I know, but you know he'll go and score now. I, I am unsure on this one. I mean, I, I fancy West Ham purely because I think they're in form. I think... Pellegrini's ideas are getting through and he's found the right system to play funnily enough that doesn't involve Jack Wilshire, so you know make of that I what forgot you about him I think he's injured he had to have a, an operation oh, I see which 
it, it makes Emery's decision to essentially let him go look fantastic because he's just gone and got injured again. It's one of the things we struggled with for so many seasons with Wilshire, and it's it's a shame for him, but his body is just constantly betraying him. Anyway, on topic of the game, <laughs> I fancy West Ham. How do you feel? I just reckon there are going to be goals. Goals and no clean sheets. Yeah, that's what I'm a little bit worried about. I'm hoping that Fabianski has a good game and Knockout has one of those games where he gets chances and, and kicks them straight at the keeper. Nah, I reckon Glenn Murray will just do some mad shit. Yeah. Um, Burnley play Huddersfield. So it's no 12.30? And no, no 12.30 because we got a Friday game. Jump straight to the threes, yeah. bitch. Um, Burnley Huddersfield... Crystal Palace, Wolves, Leicester, Everton, Spurs, Cardiff, and Watford, Bournemouth. I like this. This is back to a proper three o'clock kickoff sort of vibe. Dan, this is literally Spurs playing Cardiff and then everyone else quite evenly matched. I'd be really wary about clean sheets for any of these. Burnley will keep a clean sheet. They will. The rest, I think, will be goals. I think even Cardiff will score. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit worried about um so so let's go to that one first. Spurs Cardiff. Obviously we spoke about Kane. I am very worried about Spurs defence. Um I still think they were fairly lucky to get away with a clean sheet against Huddersfield. Who was it? De Poitre. Yeah. He he hit the post, didn't he, with a, a really, really good shot actually. And they arguably could have had a penalty. I mean I didn't watch a replay enough times to figure out whether it was in the box or not, but it, it was very close. Um, there was a foul on, on one of the Huddersfield players. I think it was Lerva. But yeah, they they may concede, but Spurs are almost definitely going to win, right? Yeah, I'd assume. Yeah. Crystal Palace Wolves is another one I'm a little bit worried about because obviously one Bissaka and Matt Doherty uh, playing against <laughs> each other. A face-off. Yeah, that looks quite evenly matched. I mean, I'm waiting to see what Palace do tomorrow. Yeah, I think that like I think what I do in my team generally will be based a lot on the Palace Bournemouth game tomorrow and who plays in the Champions League. Yeah. on Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I kind of fancy Wolves to get the win still, just because they're in good form. But I think so too, and I'm nervous about starting one Bissaka, and yeah. I think I'll probably bottle it. Yeah. Um, Burnley Huddersfield. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Probably a Burnley clean sheet. I mean, did you hear the stat that Harry Kane is the top scorer on their home ground this season? Can you tell me what you just said again? Yeah. So there was a stat going around that Harry Kane is the top scorer on Huddersfield's home ground with four goals. When? So I think since they've been in the Premier League. Okay. Harry Kane is now the top scorer at the John Smith Stadium in the Premier League with four goals in two appearances. The top scorer. He scored more goals at their home grounds than any of their players have. And it only four. Only four. That's amazing, isn't it? That I mean, that says all you need to know about Huddersfield, really. Does it, though? Because they're going to be away at Turf Moor. So, actually, they uh, might score loads of goals. This is the thing. They're actually mad prolific away from home, I hear. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that also. Yeah. Uh, uh, Leicester Everton is one that I think looks quite interesting because these are both teams with good players who seem to be underperforming for the most part. I think Watford Bournemouth has a similar feel in that they're two teams who have been overperforming who maybe don't have quite so good players overall. I fancy Everton to beat Leicester, to be honest. 
But uh, obviously Madison will get at least one assist. Yeah, he will get his customary assist and probably a bonus point for something. I can only hope. But that's that's a tough one to call, really. I think it's got to be... Um, how do you feel about Watford-Bournemouth? I'm nervous about Bournemouth's away form now. Is it bad? I don't know. I haven't really been paying attention, but I feel like someone told me recently it wasn't good. Hmm. Yeah, it feels like this would be a good time for Watford to get back on track. I'm going to play Foster because I don't really have much choice. Uh, Man United-Newcastle is a late kickoff. I uh, This is like a relegation playoff, right? <laughs> if Newcastle don't win this, it's all over for them. I mean, this is as good an opportunity as you get against Man United when they're playing so freaking badly. Yeah. But Newcastle have just been so bad against everyone they've played so far, and you have to, you have to question like their position at the moment because they're really not putting in the performances, let alone getting the results. But this should be intriguing for that very reason. You've got two underperforming teams, and maybe Newcastle can get their first win of the season. Who knows? Hmm. I do fancy them, actually. I do fancy them to at least get a draw. Uh, Sunday, we actually have... So we, it's sort of like week on, week off at the moment. We actually have a real Super Sunday. This is what I thought a Super Sunday was. Yeah, this is, you know, trademarked Super Sunday. So we've got three games. And the one that finishes it off is freaking fantastic. But to start off, 12 o'clock, we've got Fulham versus Arsenal. Uh, so I assume that game will be on BT, which would be great. Um, I fancy this to be Arsenal's sixth win in a row but I am biased uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup of two attacking teams keeping Aubameyang again for another another week because I just fancy him to get some goals very worried about him at the moment though because he keeps getting taken off starting to think that Lacazette is the best attacking option if you you want a striker from Arsenal um, but yeah should be should be a win for Arsenal I think your thoughts yeah, a win for Arsenal, but I'm hoping for a goal or two from Mitrovic. I would love to see this be a goal first. And I, I'd also love to see Arsenal actually manage to look half awake at a 12 o'clock kickoff because I feel like that's something we didn't see under Arsene Wenger ever. I'd be nervous about Fulham's defence, though. Yeah, exactly. Especially, like, Fossumensa came off. Yeah, he dislocated his shoulder. Oh, if that's what happened. Yeah. So he won't be back then. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, Callum Chambers can't play, but he didn't play anyway. It's, oh, is he on loan? Yeah, he's on loan at Fulham. Right, yeah, they've got a lot of injuries, the Fulham defenders. Yeah. Um, I'm just nervous we'd have to see Mawson again, and no one wants that. God, yeah, they, they really need to do something with that defence, because or maybe it's just a confidence thing, but they're really not performing well at the moment defensively. And... For a promoted team, you don't want to have to score three goals a game in order to win the game. It's it's not ideal. No. Uh, Southampton versus Chelsea is a two fifteen, and this for me is probably going to be my my captaincy game. Eden Hazard. I think if you if you don't have Harry Kane, this is the most obvious game for the week to to have a captain in. Although last time I captained Hazard, it was when he was away from home and he didn't do anything. Yeah, I did see a good little little stat earlier on. Uh, may need some some explaining, but basically there's uh, there's a Hazard's goal total for this season represented as a percentage of how many he scored in previous seasons. What? So say he scored twenty goals last year, right? And he'd scored ten goals this year. It would be fifty percent. 
Right. So, so 17-18 is 50%. So he's already scored half the goals he scored last season, which is absolutely mental. Um, okay, so he's going to stop for a little bit. Uh, no, not necessarily. This is I like a Fraser going to score 10 goals and we have to work out when the 10 goals are going to be. I think it's what it's saying is his performance this year has it's been better. far and above what he's done in the past. Um, 38% of the 16-17 goals. The one that was particularly interesting was 150% of the goals he scored in 15-16. So that was obviously the Mourinho season when he was, you know, everyone down tools because they just wanted to get Mourinho sacked. Chelsea should should hammer them. I mean, Southampton just don't look very good defensively or in attack at the moment. And we saw how they played against Liverpool. They kind of just let them win, didn't they? Yeah. So I expect that again, even though it is at home for them. So we shall see. And then the last game, the 4.30 kickoff is Liverpool versus Man City. A little, uh, a little tasty fixture there, I think. I don't like it. I don't like it when the big teams play each other. I do like it when these particular two play each other, though, because they're so attack-minded. No. You know it could... It's kind of fascinating. Like, every time they play each other, you know it could kind of be a, a thrashing one way or another, or like a 7-8 goal thriller. So. Um, do you play your Liverpool and Man City defenders in this game? Uh, I'm only playing Robertson. If I had Mendy, if Mendy was fit, I would play him. But I'm playing Robertson because I fancy his potential for an assist. Um, if I had like Van Dijk, for example, no, I probably wouldn't play him. If I had Laporte, I do have Laporte. I'm not going to play him. So that's okay. kind of my, my feels on this game. Uh, but I would play my, my attackers and my midfielders because I feel yeah. like this could, you never know, it could end up being one of those where they cancel each other out. But we saw last season, there are a lot of goals in these fixtures. And even the, the Liverpool one where they were like 4-0 up and it ended up being 4-3. It doesn't matter what the score is, like either one of them can come back at any time. All right. I think that's it. We just got a clean sheet cut to do. Yeah, neither of us got points this uh, week because you said someone ridiculous, said Liverpool. West- oh, did I say Liverpool? Yeah, and I said Burnley. I thought the whole time I said West Ham, so I'm, I'm glad I well, didn't because that was... You lost either way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it was a tough one this week, wasn't it? Not. I was going to say not many clean sheets. There are a load of clean sheets. Um, I'm saying Burnley against Huddersfield, please. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to go for... Uh, okay, I'm going to have to go for Chelsea because it feels like the most obvious one. And I'm okay. annoyed about that because that means Alonso will get a clean sheet and I'll be like, ah. I think if you're celebrating every time a highly owned, like, good player loses a clean sheet, it's the kind of time you start to think should probably get him. But I just can't. I can't do it. I can't do the the money and... I do feel like he's going to have one of those runs like he did last season where it's just two points, two points, two points, six points, two points, two points, two points. And there'll come a point later in the season where I'll get him in. Uh, But I I just don't fancy him to keep too many for the run ahead. Hazard is the main man. All right, cool. So thank you, everybody, for listening. I think that's uh, that's us done for the week. We've got an international break after game week eight, which I am... Not really looking forward to, but... Yeah, so we won't be back for like a fortnight or so. Is there anything you want to say to our listeners before, you know, anything like don't knee-jerk all of your players out? Fantasy responsibly. Like literally just fantasy responsibly. Yeah, it always stands. you got to... Also, the next time we're, we're on, um, I will have been to my first ever football match. Oh, wow. Is that the uh, women's game we're going to? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so we're going to see England play. Who are they playing? Australia. Australia.
It's got to be wicked. I'm, I'm like a proper football lad now, attending all the games, two in like yeah. a month. Also, I'll do a plug for the women's game. Uh, it's on Tuesday, the 9th of October. And tickets are literally £10. Like, all tickets are £10. That's so cheap. It's what, mad what cheap. What stadium is that at? It's at Craven Cottage. So if Fulham. you are London-based, you should probably go. Yeah. Yeah, if you're from, like, Norway or Sweden, we won't hold it against you for not attending. Like, it's fine. But, yeah, if you are local, it's it's super cheap, and that's really good. All right, uh, so, yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening. Let's do the, the usual. So you can follow us at Twitter, at Twitter. On you can follow us at Twitter. We are at Twitter. If you just go to Twitter, we're there. Yeah, if you, yeah, exactly. So uh, at the Denalysis, uh, you can email us as well. Hello at the We haven't checked it this week. Oh, I have. I've been checking oh, it all you? week, Dan. Oh, damn yeah. All oh, right. Don't even try me this week. I felt so confident that you wouldn't have. Nah, <laughs> nah, I've got it up right now. But Twitter is really the best place to reach us because we'll respond to you right away and we can we can. And have by a will, chat. I mean Dan. Also, I have fixed my notifications, so I do get them. But okay. now I'm just choosing not to reply to anyone. Okay. What if they want you to reply? Uh, no one is asking for me to reply. So I don't think it's an issue. Okay. Maybe they will one day, though. Maybe they will have to listen to this because they'll feel really bad. And also, if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, please rate us five stars on iTunes. Oh, also, something that's really important that we didn't realise... Well, I didn't realise. Uh-huh. With iTunes reviews, they're on the stores. They're territory-based. Right. So we have... A few reviews in the UK, which is very nice. Yeah. People can see that people actually listen to our podcast. But if you do listen outside of the UK and you think what we do is all right, if you could just go and rate us five stars, please, um, that'd be really helpful because it will account to the your, your territory. the store where you are. Yeah. Exactly. So if you're in Norway and you like the podcast, people may not be able to find it if you haven't rated it because we're going to appear lower in the search. But yeah, yeah. that effectively... If you like it, rate us five stars. More people can discover us. And maybe we can do more podcasts in the future because we have loads of listeners and it would be great. Yeah. And people love hearing my opinions. Exactly. I do, certainly. Aww. So, <laughs> so thank you for listening, guys. We will see you in a couple of weeks' time. And I hope you have a really good Game Week 8. And yeah, that's it from me. Any, any last words? Nope. All right. Bye, peeps.